You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at harvestniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Father, in this moment, we just say those words are true. There is none like you. There's no person, there's no thing, there's no leisure. Lord, nothing in this world compares to you. And your word tells us that nothing in this world saves like you do. And so, Father, in this moment, we come before you as your children, and we just say, would that be true? That you would change and and turn our hearts? So we could search for all eternity. And we could say for our entire lives, Lord, it's true. There is none like you. So, God, in this time now as we open your word together. Pray that you would speak to us, that our hearts would be stirred to love you more, that you would cause us to consider our days and our lives right now and say, Lord, if there's none like you, how do I live for you right now, this week, this month, this season? Lord, there's none like you, so take all of me. I surrender it to you. And we give you this time, and we are asking, Lord, that you'd move in a mighty way for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. You may be seated. And uh, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and take that out as well. Turn to the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 90 is where we are this weekend. Psalm should be somewhere around the middle of your Bible, and uh, Psalm 90 is maybe a familiar one for some of you. Maybe there are verses in there that you've memorized before, but this weekend as we look at Psalm 90, our title in our sermon is called, Teach Us to Number Our Days. Teach Us to Number Our Days. It comes from a particular verse there we're going to read in just a moment. Uh, Teach Us to Number Our Days. You know, we number our days um, all throughout our lives, really. Uh, Maybe that's kind of a new term for some of you, but numbering our days really relates to when we look to the calendar and we say, okay, well, how much time do I have left before this? Or you circle something on your calendar and you say to yourself, okay, this many days until we get to do this, or we're going here, or, or until this happens. You know, we count down days until babies are born, or we count down days um, until we get to go on vacation, uh, maybe in the summertime. But counting or numbering our days is not new. Uh, Way back centuries ago, civilizations ago, the Egyptians were one of the first civilizations to number days. They had the solar and the lunar calendars they tried to navigate through, and the Babylonians tried to perfect this, and the, the Mayans tried to perfect it. And then the Roman Catholic Church tried to perfect the ways that we number our days. And even parents try to perfect the way we number days, right? Parents, like nine days we are numbering until the start of school. 
And maybe for some of you, you're thinking, oh, I wish that number was longer or larger. And for some of us, that number should be shorter because we can't wait for school to start again. But here's a question for you. As we think about numbering our days in Psalm 90, how many of you have ever numbered your days as to get a heart of wisdom? Have you ever numbered your days or thought about, okay, this is how much time I have left in my life as to gain a heart of wisdom? Look at verse 12 in Psalm 90. Maybe a bit of a a launch pad for us to begin today. Verse 12 in Psalm 90 says this. This is a prayer to the Lord. So, teach us to number our days. Why? That we may get a heart of wisdom. So, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. So, here's the question. What does that look like for you and I in our lives? What does it look like for us to number our days? To consider the time that we have in our life, we've spent the time remaining, and then maybe like the psalmist, we too would say, Lord, help us number our days so that we can get a heart of wisdom. You know, as you're numbering your days, as you're thinking about how many days are left before school or as you're about to enter another season, you know, for all of us, I think we're numbering the days until finally the weather starts cooling down and we enter what's called fall. Many, many of us have the favorite season of fall because it's not so hot. But as you think about the calendar and all the things going on in these next few weeks and months, what if we were to look at the fall and then begin to go through it and then realize that this year is no different than last year. It's in completely the same. Restrictions or whatever our world's going to look like. What if it was exactly the same? Maybe some of us are filled with anger in that moment. Maybe some of us thinking about this think, not a chance. But as we think about whether or not it would be the same or if it wouldn't be the same coming into this next year. Let me ask you this. What has God been teaching you over the past year and a half that maybe has caused you to live differently? Or where God's been challenging you and say, I need you to recognize that your priorities were all out of sorts. You had the wrong order. What is God challenging you in the past year and a half, maybe to two years, and saying, you know what, regardless of what this season looks like, God's been working in me, and I am numbering my days differently now. There's some things I do, some things I don't do. Because if we look at Psalm 90, what we have here is a psalmist who's crying out on behalf of the people of God, saying, God, things just are not right. I'm not satisfied. I've gotten off track. We've made mistakes. We're not focused. And so, God, would you give us a second chance? God, we want to we pivot. We want to uh, ask you to come in and restore our lives to give us purpose or to help us number the days that we have left. And we come to Psalm 90, and the psalmist is just crying out, God, have pity on us. Help us be different. Maybe you're wondering today, too, and just saying, I, I just feel unsatisfied. Something in my life needs to change. I'm not quite sure what it is, but I just feel unsettled. Maybe I'm filled with anxiety or I'm nervous about something in life or just I wish things were the way they used to be or, or I wish there could be some type of normality. Maybe in Psalm 90 today, there's an invitation for you too, like the psalmist, to cry out to the Lord saying, God, something needs to change in me. Help me number my days as to get a heart of wisdom. 
So our passage today is going to begin in verse 12. But Psalm 90 has 11 verses before this, as the psalmist is going to write. And, and, and basically, the first 11 verses of Psalm 90 are the psalmist saying, as I mentioned, we, your people, God, have gotten off track. We've made bad choices, wrong decisions. We, we are satisfied in things that are not you. And therefore, things aren't going well. Surprise, surprise. And the psalmist says, God, I need you to help me. And then we come to verse 12 and it says, teach us to number our days that we can get a heart of wisdom. We can live differently, make better choices. And, and as I said, maybe these are prayers today in verses 12 to 17 that you too might find the opportunity to say, God, here are some prayers that I'm going to pray this coming week, this month, this school year, this ministry year even. And we're going to ask ourselves, how do we then make our days count? We all remember the childhood game hide-and-seek, right? Well, in some ways, the psalmist is saying, God, no more hiding from you. We just want to seek you. And we're going to see three opportunities today in Psalm 90 for us as the people of God to seek after God. He's going to tell us three specific things in these verses of what we can seek after. So I want you to see the first one that begins in verses 12 through 15. This is point number one today. If we want to make our days count, if we want to number our days to get a heart of wisdom, then we need to, number one, seek His presence. We need to seek the presence of the Lord. Let's read verses 12 to 15. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Verse 13. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. That sounds great. Make us glad for as many days as you've afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. So those are the first few verses. Now, if it's not obvious, let me point out to us today in verses 12 through 15, that making your days count has to include God. It's the only way that your days will count. Look in the verses there. Look at how many times the psalmist is inviting God to be the center of what is going to change. The psalmist is saying things like, Lord, teach us. See that in verse 12. Lord, return to us in verse 13 and have pity on us. Verse 14, God, would you satisfy us, and God, would you make us glad? You know, we're talking about the author of Psalm 90. I believe Moses wrote Psalm 90. There's a little bit of uh, maybe discrepancy about the timing of when the psalm is, but but here's one reason why I believe that Moses wrote this psalm and why he knew firsthand what it meant to be satisfied by the love of God. Look at verse 14, satisfy us in the morning. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, I don't know why that's particularly unique in this psalm, but if you remember Moses, the leader of God's people back in the Old Testament, when you come to the book of Exodus, they've left now the Egyptian slavery for 430 years, and they begin this journey to the promised land, and as soon as they exit Egypt, what do God's people say? Moses, we're hungry. Where's the food? We could eat in Egypt, but we need food to live And so Moses has this miracle happen where God provides manna for them every morning. And so when we read verse 14, one of the reasons why I think Moses is the author, because Moses remembers what it was like that God satisfied them in the morning with manna. But now he's coming back to the Lord saying, God, 
Would you satisfy us in the morning, not with manna? That didn't last. But would you satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love? Something that lasts or something that is prolonged a little more. Would you satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice all of our days? Rather than grumbling and complaining, Lord, we want to rejoice all of our days. You know, that's why Moses cries out and said, God, give us another chance. We, we didn't do this very well, but we want you to give us grace and a second chance that we can try this again, have pity on us. This is also like, if you remember, a short time after the manna, Exodus 32, Moses goes up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, and he comes down and he hears singing and rejoicing, and people are worshiping, and to his horror, he finds the people of God have built a golden calf, and they are worshiping a God that they can see because they called out to Aaron and said, we can't see our God. We need a God that we can see and will be in our lives, and little did they know that their God would be in their lives. And so Moses goes back before the Lord and says, God, would you have pity on your people? Would you have pity on them? Please forgive them. Do not destroy them. Give them a second chance. And so Moses is writing with these things in mind. And you know, maybe some of us too, we're looking back on 2021 and we're saying, wow, this year is going by quick. It's almost a school year again. It's almost the end of the summer again. Maybe some of us are feeling like it's going too quick. Maybe some of you as parents are, are looking at what grade your children are about to enter and say, the kid's growing up so fast, now they're going into the next grade already. Maybe some of you are feeling like you're one year closer to university. Maybe some of you are one month closer to retirement, which means you are a little bit closer to maybe Shopper's Drug Mart discount. That's a bit of a benefit. But let me get a little closer to home. Maybe as we look forward to the season, some of us, this is another season that we don't know our neighbors' names. Maybe it's another season that you aren't serving in your church. Maybe this is yet still another season that you're not in a group in your church, connected in biblical community. Maybe some of you feel you're, you're trying to read God's Word and spend time with Him, and yet it's another failed reading plan in the Bible, and you wonder how this is ever going to work. Maybe some of you are still telling yourselves, I'm going to get back to church in person, but you don't really have a plan of when that's going to happen, and so week after week goes by, and you haven't been to church in so long, and you want to, but you haven't yet. Maybe this year more than ever, with all of those examples, you feel like you need hope like never before. Just like the psalmist is writing, you want purpose, you want a plan, you want God to come in and, and restore something in your life. You want God to do a, a renovation in your life. You feel like your days aren't counting towards anything. And so it's the same pattern and the same habit or maybe even the same addiction over and over and over and you're asking God for a lifeline. If something I propose to you today, one of those scenarios maybe struck a chord with some of you, I want to invite you to look at Psalm 90. Look at the prayers that Moses is praying on behalf of God's people. 
look at these verses today and say, okay, maybe this is my starting point. Maybe this is the way that I'm going to become satisfied in the love of God is to help me number my days to get a heart of wisdom. Here's your invitation from Deuteronomy 7 verse 9. It says this, know therefore that the Lord your God is God, a faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And so I want us to see today as we begin with these first few verses just why seeking God's presence is so important. We saw that in verse 14. Look again. Notice this now, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. But look at the second part of the verse. So that, so that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. You notice how a life of rejoicing and being glad or being satisfied is directly related to being able to be satisfied in the morning with the steadfast love of God? Look on the screens, maybe a a way of thinking about this, I'm sure Charles Dickens won't mind, we'll play on his words here, a tale of two satisfactions. And so we have one individual who's not rejoicing, not glad, because their life is filled with anything other than the steadfast love of God. And then our second friend is a life that is marked with uh, much rejoicing, that is filled with gladness. Why? Because look in the verse, in verse 14, it says, that is the life of someone who is satisfied in the steadfast love of the Lord. Not the things of this world, but the things of their Lord. So as we think about that, are you satisfied in the steadfast love of the Lord? Is that what truly satisfies you? Am I truly satisfied in the steadfast love of the Lord? Or maybe let's just flip that question and just say, is there an absence of rejoicing? Is there an absence of gladness in your life? Because then perhaps something else is robbing your rejoicing. Something else has taken place and you're, you're satisfied in something else. And so maybe that is a way to look at this today. But But perhaps, as our passage suggests, there's a place to change. And so how does this change for us? Again, as we look forward, as we want to number our days to gain a heart of wisdom, how do we be satisfied in the love of the Lord? Well, number one, it's seeking His presence. We have to see that in these verses. This is a a psalmist who's coming on behalf of God's people saying, God, all we need is You. We're just going to seek You. We need You in our lives. We need You to change us. But being satisfied in the love of the Lord then, as we look in our lives, it means that we are satisfied with God alone and nothing else in our lives comes first or more important. Listen to these verses throughout the Bible, Jeremiah 31. Here's here's a beautiful invitation for the Lord to say, just come and be satisfied in me. Jeremiah 31, 25, for I will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul I will replenish. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And in John 6, 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. So if we are to seek the presence of God and be satisfied, maybe you're wondering, what does that look like in my life? And I want to suggest for us today as we kind of go through our verses some practical prayer points 
Maybe you've been interested today, and I want to encourage you, maybe you want to write these down, put them in your Bible. These are, this season, going to be prayers that you want to pray to the Lord, that you might be satisfied in Him as you, as you are practicing seeking His presence. And we'll put on the screen the first two prayers that we can pray that we see in these verses as the psalmist is, as, is crying out to the Lord. It's a way to summarize. So maybe prayer one that you want to write down in this season, Lord, just like your people, return to us. Return to us with your mercy. Maybe some of you are feeling remorse, so verse 13 is your prayer. Return to us with your mercy. Prayer number two, satisfy us with your love. Just write those down. Return to us. Satisfy us. Lord, this is how it's going to change. I'm going to be praying these things because I want you to do this work in me. So if we want to make our days count this fall, we need to seek the presence of the Lord. And maybe that just starts for some of us by getting into a good routine, setting your alarm, getting up early in the morning, grabbing your Bible, grabbing a pen, getting a place, having a plan. There's a bunch of P words. And you're sitting down and saying, God, I'm going to seek your presence. I'm going to begin praying these prayers. I'm going to read the Word of God so that I become more satisfied with the love of God as I seek the presence of God. That's my plan this season. I'm going to read the Word of God so that I become more and more satisfied with the love of God as I seek the presence of God. You know, if we're all honest, there are seasons when this feels unsatisfying. It feels like hard work. The days are even getting darker as you can tell in the morning when it's early, and that's only going to grow and grow. And so sometimes in the morning darkness, it just feels lonely. It feels like, God, I'm trying here. I'm, I'm trying to seek your presence, but, but I need a little help. And that's because when we go through those seasons, our hearts and our flesh are prone to wander. They're prone to be desiring anything else other than the presence of God. But God's words tells us that our spirit longs to do this. So don't give up when it's hard. You know, some people say that as we practice this duty, eventually it becomes a discipline, and then it becomes a delight. So don't give up. Don't quit. Maybe grab some people in your life around you saying, hey, here's a plan that I'm going to try. I want to seek the presence of the Lord. I want to make my days count, make my time count. Can you help hold me accountable? Ask me how I'm doing. Text me every day. Ask me if I spent my day and started it in the Word of God, learning to love God and seeking His presence. You know, especially for parents, I think about this practice. This is hard to do in some seasons. You're exhausted. You're tired. You have extreme fatigue. I get it too. I've got four kids. And, and, and yet, in those moments, sometimes what happens is we try to convince ourselves that a half an hour's sleep is what we need. A little bit more sleep is going to help us function better throughout the day. And I've had seasons when God's reminding me, saying, no, what you need is my presence. Because what happens is sometimes as we get into this practice of neglecting the presence of God, we believe that our REM is more important. When maybe God's saying, actually, time in Him is exponentially greater than dividends with time in REM. I want you to spend time with me. I want you to seek me. That will help you function. 
That will change your life. And so this is maybe easy to say, but it's hard to do sometimes. And then we get into a good practice, and then maybe we get out of sorts. And so my exhortation to you today to seek the presence of God is when it's hard, when you fail or falter, don't quit. Just start over. Start somewhere. Maybe just start small. And the most important thing, just start again. Continue seeking God's presence. God is filled with grace and mercy. And so we continue to come to Him. Look at what 1 Chronicles 16.11 says. And the same thing it says in Psalm 105, verse 4. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. I know we've been spending time on this point here. Point number one, just these verses today. But this is really the most important part. This is the foundation of our passage as we're looking at. Seek God's presence and if you do that, your life will begin to change. But let's move on to point number two in verse 16. Point number two in our sermon is seek His power. So seek His presence, but also seek His power. Look at verse 16. Let your works be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let's just take a moment and think about God's power. Has He ever just showed uh, His power for you in your life? Maybe a moment when you realize, wow, God is extremely powerful. Maybe you've seen this in nature. Maybe you've seen it in your family. Seeking God's power, as the psalmist says. God, show us your power. You know, in the Old Testament, God showed his power to his people many times, in many ways, over many different um, occasions. And whenever God shows his power to his people, He's trying to show them or remind them, I am here for you. I am leading you. I am guiding you. I am protecting you. Or even I am providing. You think about Moses again. Moses is in Egypt. And God says, I'm going to use you, Moses, to free my people. And Moses wonders how this is going to happen. God says, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. There's going to be plagues that I'm going to show Pharaoh, signs of my power to show that my people are going free. And Pharaoh takes a long time to finally say yes. And God's people make it to the wilderness where they're wandering to their future home, and God shows power again with manna, and then they get thirsty, and God shows His power in providing water from a rock, and then God provides uh, power in, in, in His display for a pillar of fire to guide them by night and a cloud by the day. And so, God's people are looking back thinking, wow, we are, we are getting a full course meal here of God's power. But here's what I want us to think about. When we see God's power displayed in our lives or in the Bible as we read, as we, remember, seek His, His presence in routine, I want to show you on the screen, this is what God's trying to do for us. It's, it's a way of us thinking about His power. Maybe it's us asking the question, okay, so why is God doing this? When God shows works and power, one, He's proving that He's with you. Two, God is proving that He is all that you need. And three, God is preventing you and I from being stubborn and rebellious. That is how God uses His power in the Old Testament for His people. That is how Jesus displays His power in the New Testament, helping people understand maybe this is more than just a man. 
Maybe there is a reason why this Jesus can do such incredible things. It, it allows us to inquire to say, okay, this person is here with us, and they're doing these things, and they have this power. Maybe we should listen to him or take him seriously. And when God displays power in our lives as well, as the psalmist is asking for God to do again and do continuously, he's saying, God, would you, would you do works and show your power to prove that you are all that we need? to remind us that, that we could never do anything compared to what you could do. And so, maybe we should be asking the question, well, when God stops showing His power, maybe that means we are satisfied in other things. Maybe we are not seeking His power. Maybe we are, like verse 16 says, we are not praying, God, show us Your power. Sometimes when times are hard or when we go through trials, when we're not seeking God's power, maybe when we haven't seen it in a while, we say, well, you know, we, we justify it. That's okay. Maybe God's just doing other things right now. I know it's really hard, but, you know, things are going to turn around. You know, we, we, we try and say positive things that we hear in our culture all the time. Things are going to work out. You got to try harder. Just keep your head up. You can do this. You can do anything you believe you can do. And we misquote verses from the Bible saying, well, God works for your good, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. But if you know in Romans 8.28, what it actually says is God works for those who love Him. God works for the good of those who love Him or, or seek Him. And then he does things like work things together for good who are called according to his purpose. You see the connection there? God doesn't just work things for your good and for everyone regardless of circumstance. God says, I want you to seek me and be satisfied in me. And therefore, those who are loving and seeking me, I will work all things out for good for those who love me and who are called according to my purpose. So it takes loving God and seeking God and being satisfied in God. And that is why, look back to verse 16, sorry, the, the psalmist says, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. The psalm is telling us that, that God needs to be working actively in our midst to, to remind us and to show us that that He's working because we are asking Him and seeking Him and depending on Him. We're not going to other things in our lives or our world. And, and, and maybe, maybe you've come to church this weekend and, and you're in a situation where you feel disconnected, maybe from God, maybe from others, maybe from your church, maybe things have just been changing a lot and you feel like you don't really know <clears throat> what's going on, going on. Maybe some of you feel hurt in this season. You feel dissatisfied. Maybe, as I said earlier, you're longing for things to change or go back to normal. Maybe some of you are here today and you're feeling excited. You're feeling optimistic. You're looking forward to this next season. Maybe some of you have friends who are a part of this church that aren't attending anymore. Maybe you miss the way your family could used to attend church, what your Sunday morning used to look like, or how you used to be connected or how you used to be serving, whatever it is. 
this is my encouragement to you in this season right now as a church, as you are asking God to begin to work and to continue to work and to do work in the future, my encouragement is to be unified around the fact that, that seeking God's presence and His power is the most rewarding thing that you can do right now. It's to come before your God and say, God, I need you to carry us through. I need, I need you to answer this prayer. I need you to move in our midst. I need you to, to show your power. I need you to display your works so that you would move in this place and that you would also move in this city and move in this region. And so if that's resonating with you, here's two prayers in addition to our first two that you can pray with this verse in verse 16. Prayers three and four. Prayer three is this, God, show us. This is from the first half of that verse. God, show us your work and power. But also, God, show us, prayer number four, show us and show future generations. Show future generations. God, would we see your works and power, but would it not be just us? Would you continually work in our midst? Would you continually move in, in this congregation that, that even our children would grow up seeing your works in power and our grandchildren? So it's, it's not just us as we're praying. And then we come to verse 17. This is how these prayers end, how the psalmist wraps up this cry to the Lord. Let's look at verse 17 together. It says, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And so we've, we've seen in this psalm how we are to seek God's presence and to seek His power, and now it's not another P word, but it's a B, seek His blessing. Point number three is to seek His blessing in our lives. Seek His blessing. You can see there the psalmist is asking God for two things. Saying, God, would you... Uh, allow the favor of you to be upon us. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. And secondly, God, establish the work of our hands. Bless all of the things that we do. And I'm sure you can guess in just a moment what our prayers will be, but let's just wait for a second. Look at verse 17. It says, let the favor. Maybe in your Bible you have a footnote there. Let the favor... Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. Well, look at the bottom maybe in your Bible where it gives a footnote for the word favor. In the Hebrew, this word is best translated as beauty. So let's read the verse now. It says beauty. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. That just seems to read so special. Let the beauty of our Lord be upon us. And so really what the psalmist is saying is, God, you are beautiful, and we want your beauty to be on us as well. We want people to see it in us. We want people to look at each other and say, wow, you are living your life in such a beautiful way. And then you would say, yeah, I'm reflecting the beauty of my Lord. That's why we sing songs like, beautiful Savior, King of creation, Son of God and Son of man. Or maybe some of millennials remember the song, Our God is an awesome God, He reigns. From heaven above with wisdom, power, and love, our God is an awesome God, He reigns. 
You know, this word beauty is used only one other time in the Bible. Psalm 27, verse 4, David writes this. He says, one thing I have asked of the Lord and I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And then he says, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. He just wants to be in the Lord's presence. He wants the Lord's power. And so seeking God's blessing in our lives then means that you and I are a people who radiate the beauty of our God, how we live our lives. People look at us and say, wow, look at God working in you and, and through you. But also look at in the verse there, it says in Psalm uh, in verse uh, 17, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. It's so natural for, for the psalmist to be able to say, the Lord's beauty should be upon you because you are His people. You are His children, and the Lord loves to radiate His beauty upon His children because they are His. And so as proof, then, one of God's children with the beauty of the Lord upon, look at those prayers, establish the work of our hands. Establish the work of our hands. Lord, would you work in us? You know, I wonder how many of us, maybe, maybe business owners this fall are going to say, you know, Lord, I'm going to be praying that you would infuse yourself into my business, into the decisions I make, the hiring I make, the contracts I have. Lord, would you be in my business as you establish the work of my hands? How many of our families will be praying this fall saying, God, would you bless our children as they enter another year of school? God, would you bless our moms as they homeschool? What would it mean for us as a church even as we say in our mission and our mindset in our ministries, God, we are going to depend on you and asking that you would bless everything that we do so that we would see lives change and that we all get to watch with expectancy and see how God begins to show his works and his power as God displays presence among us. And so these are two more prayers to sum up this verse right here that we can pray. We kind of snuck them in already, but prayer number four, God, favor us. Favor us as your people. And the last prayer there, God, would you establish us? God, would you bless everything that we do? So in Psalm 90, loved ones, we have, in the first part of this verse, is a familiar idea where we read and say, you know, life is short, we live 70 years, maybe 80 if we're given strength. You know, in our world we see sometimes a little bit more, sometimes it's less. But in Psalm 90, we have considering the brevity of life and the sovereignty of God, we have a call and say, God, with whatever days that you choose to bless us with, let them, let them count. Let them be fruitful. Let them be purposeful. God, would you work in us so that people would come to know you as well? And so we have an invitation in this psalm to say, God, I'm going to be living wisely in this world. God, I'm asking that you would move in us, that we would gain a heart of wisdom. Would you give us focus and would you give us perseverance as we seek you? Because God, we don't just want to count the days we have left on earth. We want to make our days count for your glory. 
I pray today that that would be true in your congregation and in your families and on your staff. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word and how it encourages us, how it convicts us, how it calls us, how it reveals to us who you are. Father, today I pray that for everyone listening, that we would be called to be satisfied in the steadfast love of the Lord because we would be trying to find ways to number our days, to make the most of the life that you've given us, the church that you provided for us, the people that you allow to be a part of this community. We would be saying, God, would you move in our midst? Would you use us? Maybe some of us here today have been listening and reading and and they are resonating with the idea of saying, God, I need you to return to me. I've been off track. I've been wavering. So God, return to me with your mercy. Maybe some here today are saying, God, satisfy us. Satisfy us with your love. Not the things of this world anymore. Satisfy us with your love. God, some of us are praying, saying, just show us. Show us your work and power in our lives. Move in our midst. Some are praying, favor us. Favor us, God, as your people. And some are praying, establish us. Lord, would you move in our midst and bless everything that we do. Father, that reminds us of the blessing we hear in the book of Numbers. Aaron, over God's people, as he says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance and give you his peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.